This episode is supported by Bounty Kitchen, one of my absolute favorite Seattle restaurants. Bounty Kitchen is no joke an extension of my own kitchen, except that there's so much fresh, local, organic, and tasty stuff on the menu that it takes me forever to decide what I want. The good news is you literally can't go wrong. Check out greens, beans, and grains dishes like the braised beef bowl, or dive into the vegan and dairy-free Marrakesh market bowl, or try one of my personal favorites for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, the hot liquor bowl. There are also soups, salads, sandwiches, scrambles, and of course, toast, all infused with the deep love and commitment of founder and co-owner and my friend Meg Trainer and her team. Visit Bounty Kitchen at 7 Boston Street in Seattle's Queen Anne neighborhood or at 801 Lenora Street in Denny Triangle. And check out my interview with Meg on the podcast last year to learn more about her personal health journey and the inspiration behind Bounty Kitchen. It was the first time that I really recognize that like, oh, wow, this armor, we use that term at armoire, this armor that I put on not only says something to me, but it also says something to the outside world. Welcome to Women on the Rise. I'm executive coach and lifestyle expert, Lara Dolch. And each week I talk to thriving women about the practical self-care strategies they use to fuel their success and pursue what's most important to them in their careers and lives. We get real about topics like healthy eating, exercise, sleep, stress, time management, happiness, mindset, and productivity, while busting myths about work-life balance and being perfect along the way. My goal each week is to uncover new insights that you can immediately apply to your life to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul. Hey, podcast listeners, happy spring. You can probably hear from my voice that spring allergies have knocked me on my butt this year, followed by a lovely spring cold. But I wanted to pop in, first of all, to thank you for being here each week. I love seeing your thoughtful comments and reviews on Apple Podcasts, like this recent one from Holly. Holly says, I love to listen to this show when I'm needing some inspiration in my work, creativity, or self-care routine. Laura interviews awesome women that do awesome things. I'm always left with a new thing to try to make my life a little richer without any guilt or pressure. Thanks for leaving that, Holly. If you haven't left your review yet, I'd love to see yours soon. Today's episode is the last episode of season five of Women on the Rise, and I'm already making plans for season six, launching in May. If you know women I should talk to or have questions you want me to ask my guests, don't be shy. Email me at hello at laradolch.com to let me know. For the rest of March and April and a little bit into May, I'll be sharing some of my favorite episodes from the archives. So keep an eye on your podcast feed for those. If you're new to the show, you've most definitely missed some great conversations. So be sure to check them out. And if you've been listening since the beginning, it's always fun to revisit past interviews to see what insight is most relevant to you now. Today, we're talking about your personal armor. It's a term that my guest this week uses to describe the clothes she helps her clients wear as part of an on-demand virtual closet service. More on that later. And while I don't especially love the idea of draping myself in armor that separates me from others, I do love the idea of a daily uniform that gives me the confidence to show up in the world more powerfully. When I lived in New York City, I was especially conscious of the way my clothes affected my impact at work and at play. I've often joked that you had to put on armor as soon as you walked out the door in Manhattan to survive the daily onslaught of noise and people. And even though Seattle has a more relaxed fashion culture than New York, what you choose to wear into the world each day, no matter where you live, still has an impact on how you feel and how others perceive you, whether you like it or not. 
You can play the fashion is shallow, why should I care card all day long, but it doesn't change the fact that your personal appearance contributes to your sense of well-being and confidence. And if you're not happy with your body right now, feeling like you don't want to buy clothes that fit because you're going to lose that last 10 pounds, I hear you. But how is showing up to work every day in clothes that you don't feel good in helping you take steps to reach your goals? You deserve to feel beautiful and confident now in whatever body you have. And when you do, I promise the rest will fall into place. My guest this week might even be able to help you do it without breaking the bank. And you might discover your new favorite personal armor along the way. Today, I'm talking to Ambika Singh. Ambika is revolutionizing the way women dress. A graduate of Dartmouth College and the Massachusetts Institute of Technology Sloan School, Amica makes women's lives a bit easier with her high-tech, high-touch company, Armoire, which offers a true wardrobe-as-service experience. As a woman in the tech industry, well-known to encourage uber-casual dress, Amica didn't initially place much importance on her personal style. But when she made a career shift that demanded a more polished appearance, her opinion quickly changed, and she discovered that it wasn't as simple as throwing on a jacket. We talked about the shocking comment that prompted Ambika to begin valuing her personal appearance and its impact on her career, how Ambika's personal exploration of style opened her eyes to the gender disparity in how men and women are judged based on their appearance in the workplace, what Ambika tells people who think caring about their personal appearance is shallow, and the surprising realization about how beautiful clothes make her feel that transformed how Ambika armors up for business every day. Enjoy the interview. Yeah. So Ambika, thank you so much for taking the time to to chat. I'm really honored to be here. And so I'm excited to have a chance to talk to you. Yeah, it's you're so sweet to say that you're honored. I I appreciate that. And I, um, you know, as I was telling you before we started recording, I really choose my guests because I think they're interesting women and you absolutely fall into that category. And um, I've, you know, been following your business as a member of the Riveter for for a while now. So, you know, I, I want to start with, you know, the topic that I really want to dig into today with you is, you know, personal style and its impact on well-being. And, and I define that very broadly. So let's start with this. On you know, on your website, I noticed that it it says, um, I think I can't remember where on the website it says, but it says, go conquer the world. We'll make sure you look damn good doing it. <laughs> Which I love. Can you talk about why looking and feeling good in your clothes is important for women who want to make an impact in the world? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I mentioned this before we started recording. This is certainly something that I've wrestled with and had to go through my own kind of journey of understanding. Um, I came from a really kind of core tech background and appearance was something that now looking back, I think I, I implicitly underplayed. So I dressed sort of like as, um, nondescriptly as possible. And I rewarded myself for that in my internal narrative because I felt very sort of sure in the fact that I was making that decision so that I could be more focused on the things that I thought were the most important, which was the work I was doing and, um, you know, the metal that I brought to the job, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think it was almost like the other extreme where I actually wanted to make sure that everybody knew that that wasn't a part of, you know, what was important, particularly in the professional context to me. And it was interesting when I would 
be on social time or professional or personal time, it was totally different because then I felt sort of a, a desire to be perhaps more feminine and I have a pretty loud personality. And so I wanted to stand out for the things that like in a social context were um, more acceptable, which include like, you know, what your appearance looks like and, and, um, and sort of how you show up in a more social setting. And so when I, w- I became a management consultant, I actually got reprimanded for my lack of professional dress, uh, which I thought was like really shocking because um, I was consulting back into a technology company. Uh, and I felt like I, I very much like adopted that look because that was a world that I came from. Um, and so I was deeply offended, frankly. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I wow. felt you know, it was really unwarranted, but it was the first time that I really recognized that like, oh, wow, this armor, we use that term at Armoire, this armor that I put on not only says something to me, but it also says something to the outside world. And like, what does that mean? And so I think like from there, I started to think a little bit more about my professional appearance and kind of like try to, out of necessity, match to what um, was acceptable in my industry. And then I started to notice the gender disparity between how women are judged and how men were judged. And it was extremely apparent to me because I was traveling with a team of all men who um, we had the same sort of crazy Monday to Thursday schedule. And we spent the two and a half days in Seattle before flying out again. And so the guys would literally wear the same thing week on week, sometimes change the shirt color, sometimes not. The women had an incredibly deep wardrobe that included accessories and different shoes and like blazers and all this stuff. And I didn't own any of those clothes. I was totally intimidated with the idea of like putting it all together because it wasn't just the shirt and the pants, like to pull that whole thing together. It was like, wow. Yeah. It's um, work. It's work. And it wasn't so intimidating for someone who had never done it before. Uh, And so when I went back to business school, at this point, it was my second year in business school. I was a summer at the management firm. I was like really both enraged by my experience and sort of like curious about how to think about it um, and see if we could solve it. Coming from tech, my natural inclination is always to think like, okay, this is a problem I can't solve. Is there a way that I can use technology to solve it? And at MIT, we learned a lot about personalization then and even now it was like the hot, a hot topic, one of the buzzwords, you know, like algorithms for personalization, machine learning for personalization, how much about the customer can you understand and tailor? And so I started to think about curation um, and it was working super well in companies that we still look up to, um, Spotify, Netflix, Amazon. There wasn't like a great uh, fashion solution um, with curation. At that point, Stitch Fix was still rising. Um, And so I just, I guess curiosity started there. Like, could we use technology to solve this problem that I found extremely intimidating Mm. and give women kind of like peace of mind, let them know that they had pulled it together in the way that 
the world expected them to. Yeah, I love that. That's so interesting to hear that it came from, I mean, not unusual that a founder would start a company based on a, a personal problem that they were having or personal challenge that they were having. But it's interesting. This one's especially interesting. And I, you know, obviously as a woman, I can totally relate to that. You know, I think there's this whole thing about, you know, look caring what we look like being shallow and yet at the same time we're expected to look a certain way. Um, and it sounds like you had this very, you know, sort of direct experience with with the way we are judged. Can you talk about like what do you tell people when they say, well, that's just that's so shallow. Like who cares? Uh, totally. And what what is interesting is that when we started the company, um because that was sort of my initial motivation, I very much talked about it in terms of gender disparity. And so my message was like, yes, it is shallow and it is annoying. But at this point, like in the women's movement, we have so many battles and so many battlefields that this one, if if it is important to the woman to fight it. And she wants to say, Hey, I'm going to show up however I want to show up. And I'm going to wear the ripped jeans and and the startup t-shirt and either you're going to take it or leave it. I am fully supportive of that. On the other hand, I had a bunch of different battlefields going on and it wasn't one that I wanted to fight. So I just wanted a simple solution. And in no way was it my sort of intention to support the disparity there. But what is interesting is that this, the service transformed me. And if you, if you know on our website, as you already did, it's also transformed the way that we talk about the company because what I learned from my own experience and from customers is that it became a true point of joy for me. And I realized that a lot of that sort of... Especially when I worked in tech, me kind of like deliberately downplaying my appearance was also sort of something that was happening to me instead of something that I necessarily owned or wanted to go that way. And so I explain that a little bit more. Let's like fast forward to how I live my life now. I wear something that brings me joy literally every day. It's kind of an amazing thing. (laughs) It's like I pick something from our giant rented closet. It's usually something that's kind of new or like pushes my boundaries or pushes the boundaries of like the event that I'm going to or whatever. Right now I'm wearing this bright blue uh, dress from Kenya from a brand that I really admire. It has a Pac-Man print on it. So um, (laughs) it's very exciting and it like makes me literally gives me joy in the morning. And this complete sort of difference in me thinking like, wow, my appearance doesn't matter at all. And in fact, I want the world to know that. And now realizing that like my appearance is for me and how it makes me feel and the kind of the kick it gives me to be like, this is, this is the armor I'm going to put on this morning. It's such a different way to view um, how we think about our appearance. And I find it to be much healthier than the two other extremes that I kind of oscillated between where they were very much about how the external world viewed me versus this is very much like something that I do for myself. Yeah, totally. And I, yeah, I love that, that reframe, I'll call it. And it's such a, um, a good way to sort of segue into the connection between personal style and well-being, right? Because what you're describing is, uh, at least what I'm hearing is an enhanced sense of well-being as you move through your day. Are there, 
you know, are there other connections, maybe stories of your clients or, you know, just things that you've experienced yourself about the way that that enhances your sense of well being? Absolutely. I mean, to be honest, this is why I've stayed the course and why I think my whole team, why we do what we do, because it makes women feel great. And to be a part of that journey is super awesome. And I'll give you a couple anecdotes that I find to be super inspiring. One of the very first people who helped me understand that what we were doing was not just fighting the gender gap was this amazing um, flight attendant who came to the Riveter. And she was mother of two young kids and had come with a friend um, and very politely was like, this is totally not my thing. I'm a flight attendant. And when I'm not working, I just wear sweats because I've got a thousand things going on and I'm working mom. And like, I'm just trying to keep the balls in the air. And I was like, okay, you know, that's fine. It's always disappointing when customers are like, I'm never going to give this a try, but you know, it's fine. It's not for everybody. And then by the end of the event, she had decided she was just going to give it a try. And I remember her very distinctly just because she was so upfront. Um, And she took home some kind of like things in her existing color palette, grays and blacks, very comfy. And I saw her again, call call it maybe two, three months later. And she walked into a riveter wearing a strapless red jumpsuit with a little jacket over it. And I just about fell down the stairs. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) What happened? And the swagger around her. And she said, oh, well, this is my rented closet. I just do what I want to do now. And if I don't want to do it, I don't do it. And if I do want to do it, I do it. I was like, oh, this is so So great. And it is, it's a little thing, but it's the way you start your day or it's the way you start your week. And to her, it was this way of saying, you know what world, this is me and I'm out here and today I'm feeling this and tomorrow I might be feeling something totally different and I'm going to reflect my armor to you on the way that I want to present myself for the day. And it was just an amazing thing. And I've thought a lot about that transition since then, as you could imagine. We have equally inspiring stories. Some of them that bring me to tears are the ones where women are recapturing their bodies after, you know, different changes, whether it has to do with uh, having children or being ill or just going through the normal sort of like aging process. And the idea of getting those like the mean genes out of your closet who are staring at you and passing them on to, for, to somebody else. This is another part of it. We all feel attachment to physical objects. Um, and maybe we feel guilty because we spent money on them or whatever, but for whatever reason, we hold on to them. There's a beautiful thing in the, river, in the Armour community that I hear all the time from women. I'm sending these back to you so that someone else can enjoy them. Yeah. Yeah. And I am so guilty. It's funny. My sister and I talk about this all the time. We are both so guilty of hanging on to clothes longer than... Not even so much they don't fit anymore, but it's like they just are past... It's just time. And like it's just such a weird dynamic because as soon as you let go, you don't even remember that you... You usually don't even remember that you had it. It's like... Yeah, totally. I love those stories. And it sounds like it's really just, you know, it's a confidence, it's a it's self-expression, it's the joy that it brings you, as you said, in the morning. And I'm curious about 
other... Because I, I feel like that falls in the category of self-care. And I'm curious about other self-care habits that you have that you think for you personally help you show up in your day in the way that you want to. Yeah, that's a great question. And it's certainly a challenge in my new role. I mean, I've always been not like a competitive athlete, but I was always like pretty healthy. And I grew up like being an athlete and I've found it was just like my routine. I think I know I, I, I hear women say it brings me tremendous joy um, to work out and stuff like that. And I don't know that I was ever fully in that category, but it was like, it was part of my routine. And I think more than anything gave me a sense of accomplishment. Every time I did it, I felt good about myself. Um, and that I think was important. And in my new role over the last like year or two, I've certainly lost a lot of that routine. Um, and that's a tough, it's tough because on the flip side of me feeling really proud of myself, I think losing the routine has made me feel not proud of myself, which is never a place that is fun to be in. So I've been, I have a lot of active internal monologue about like, on the one hand, like forgive yourself and realize that there's other points in the day that you can feel proud of yourself. You, you know, you went out there and killed it or you, you made a healthy eating choice or like whatever those like small wins are. But on the other side, I'm also trying to give myself that space back. One thing I'm finding extremely helpful is to go with people. I find that extra motivation to be really helpful. I actually went to work out this morning with a woman that works on the armoire team and it, she was a little late getting to the workout. And I realized it's like, I would have been, it's not that I need her to be there. I just need the motivation to be like, okay, I'm going to get up and we're going to do this together. So I guess that's a long-winded way of saying I'm like trying to recapture my uh, workout routine um, and starting with like little steps like once or twice a week, um, go with a friend and just get that feeling back of like, yes, I've, I've done something for myself and it feels good. Totally. Well, and I always tell clients, you know, like even if you just add five minutes of extra movement in your day, if you can reframe exercise as movement, that can help too. And just feeling like, okay, so I walked somewhere instead of, you know, took the car or I, you know, whatever, even it's just extra five minutes and, and, and thinking and making sure that you celebrate those things, even if they seem small, right? Because as you said, you're having all these successes in your, in your work life and it can be easier to recognize those, but you know, these smaller things are, are successes too. So that's, that's one thing I'll just share with you that that has been a helpful reframe for a lot of my clients. It's great you talk to them about that too, because other uh, the internal monologue like part of it is to your point, like the work wins or even the family wins are so like public, like you share them with other people. But the things you do for yourself, like eating healthy or working out, like those are generally internal thing. So either like what I'm doing is trying to find someone to do it with me or, you know, having someone that you celebrate it with like you or maybe your partner or whatever it is. Like I did this thing. Like my husband texted me after I went to work out this morning. He was like, good job. You did it. And that makes me you know, just recognize it in the same context as like the work yeah. thing. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. It's very easy to look over the small things in our day when really those are the things that build our day, right? Like to your point, like the bigger successes are more public, but they wouldn't be happening if we weren't doing all of these other small things every minute of the day. Is there is there something actually I'm curious, so outside of like food and exercise and sort of the typical things that people think about when they think about self-care, is there something that you do that feels like self-care that maybe wouldn't show up in a book about health and wellness? For me, I guess this is so prototypical Seattle, um, is being outside. Yeah. Uh, 
being outside is huge for me. I grew up here. I grew up playing soccer outside in rain, snow, you know, you name it, I did it. And that feeling of like the crisp air and, and um, the the outdoors like just really feels very invigorating to me. So I try to fit it in. Um, in the winter, we do a lot of snowshoeing and I shouldn't say a lot. Let's be clear. I go like once a month and feel really happy about it. But I do, I recognize that that's like something for me that is super, it's just like cleansing, I guess. Yeah, totally. Well, and that counts, right? Even if you're just only doing it once a month, like it's, again, we, we tend to overlook those things simply because they don't happen every day, but that's, you know, you're moving your body, you're doing something good for yourself, you're eating outside. So I want to, yeah. I want to just dig I'm being all coachy now because I can't help myself. I'm like, no, no, it all counts. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. That is, you're totally right. And, and it had, it has its own feedback cycle because yeah, it makes you feel great. And you're like, Oh yeah, like this was great and try to do it again. So yeah, for me, the outdoors and man, I heard that February was the driest February we've ever had in history. And so I guess it wasn't just me thinking like, Oh, we could, we can get out a little bit more this February. So that helped a lot. Yeah, totally. Thank you so much for your time. This this was so great. And I'm, I want to make sure that you have a chance to tell people where they can find out more about you and Armoire. Oh, I, yes, I would love that. So we are at www.armoire.style. Um, and I would love the, the thing that I tell women is that it looks, it may look intimidating uh, from the outside, but just try it. And the whole point of Armoire is to get you off on your day with the mentality of just try it. It's not about sort of, you know, this colossal decision or, you know, can I, do I need to actually take 5,000 steps? Like all you have to do is just try it, try the blue dress versus the black one, put on a little print and it will sort of lead you into a day that um, has a little bit more risk taking in it and a little bit more of that just try it mentality. I love it. I love it. And I love that you just said that too, because I'm going to kick that back to you, right? With the, with the self-care, because it's just, just try it. Just the small stuff, right? It's exactly yep. your approach to armor. And so I think, um, I think it's a great reminder that, you know, if you're feeling intimidated with any of it to just, just give it a shot. So thank you for, for sharing that. Absolutely. This was really fun. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. That's it for this week's episode of Women on the Rise. If you're ready now to wake up with the energy, clarity, and confidence to take on your goals, visit lardonch.com slash women on the rise to get a few resources I pulled together just for Women on the Rise listeners. For show notes and resources mentioned in this episode, visit lardonch.com slash podcast. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and review the podcast in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. It's a huge help to the show and I truly appreciate it. This episode was produced by me with editing help from Dave Nelson at Lens Group Media. 